0: So let's begin verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Remember last week the king had given the edict to kill all the wise men, all the Chaldeans, including Daniel and his friends. He answered and said to A- Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel, because Daniel was apparently not at that meeting where that happened. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that would be their um, Babylonian names, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God, of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah whose name was Belteshazzar. That's Daniel's Babylonian name, as you know. Are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded the wise men, the astrologers and the magicians and the soothsayers, cannot declare to the king, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this, and he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. Let's pray. Father, we lift up this time in your word this morning. Pray that you give us insight into this passage of Scripture. May we continue to learn and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, verse 13. I want to backtrack just to get us up to speed. So the decree went out. Remember last week? And they, the king's military people, began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So as I mentioned last week, apparently Daniel and his friends were not a part of this meeting where the king called all the magicians and soothsayers and astrologers and so forth together. They were probably not at that point really welcomed into the inner circle because they most certainly would not have embraced the, the occult practice of the Chaldeans. They had refused the, the choice uh, food that the king had ordered for all of the people in his Chaldean college. So they were kind of, they were in, but they weren't totally in. They were kind of on the periphery. But they were still considered part of this caste of the Chaldeans, so they were also, their heads were also on the chopping block, so to speak. And you've probably noticed this, but since the very beginning of human history, Satan has been on a quest to destroy God's people. The first murder when Cain slew Abel, the two sons of Adam and Eve. And even before that, Satan sought to destroy the human race by seducing Eve and then Adam into sin in the garden. The good news is Satan will never succeed in destroying God's people. Amen? Amen. So verse 14, Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men Babylon, he's just following orders, you know. This is probably the same man that allowed Daniel and his friends to abstain from the king's rich foods during their three years of training. He seems to have an affinity for Daniel and a willingness to listen to him, to hear him out. So with counsel and wisdom, or one translation says wisdom and tact, are you familiar with that word tact? It's always helpful to employ some tact when uh, dealing with a situation like this. So with counsel and wisdom, or wisdom and tact, Daniel answered Ariok. So again, not in a rebellious or haughty manner or anything that might further agitate the situation. He simply tries to, in a godly, gentle way, reason with him. So again, we, once again, we see Daniel working respectfully within the system and again, we will see God bless him for it. So there's some lessons to be learned here for us regarding how we deal with these situations. Verse 15, he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. There, there, there was this sense of urgency because the king had very clearly, unequivocally stated, you tell me the dream and the interpretation or I'm going to kill y'all. But Daniel was puzzled because he wasn't at the meeting, so Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. God had obviously given Daniel favor with Arioch, because to question the king in this manner could carry very serious consequences. But then again, Daniel is already under a death sentence. I guess you could say it couldn't get any worse. But so verse 16 Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretations. This reminded me of Queen Esther. Remember the story? She took a great risk going before the king without being summoned. That was a no-no. And she could have been executed for doing that. King Asahiris, or Artaxerxes. So she went before him. He had a couple names. In order to intercede for her people, the Jews. Remember, it was said of Esther, God has placed you in this position for such a time as this, remember? We see the same thing here with Daniel. And we see the same godly bravery and boldness that he would step out and question the king's edict. But again, a number of lives were at stake here. So he goes in, asks the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Whereas Nebuchadnezzar had demanded an immediate response from the Chaldeans on the spot. Remember, that's why he, they couldn't do it. So he issues the edict to have them all slaughtered. But notice again, God grants Daniel favor. The king grants Daniel's request for a little more time. So God can and will give his obedient servants favor in the midst of highly unfavorable circumstances. That's a good thing to know, isn't it? And don't forget that. God will grant favor to his servants, his obedient servants, in the midst of highly unfavorable circumstances. It reminded me of where Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 10:16. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents, and harmless as doves it was said of Jesus of course that while he was here on the earth he was meek but meekness is not what we think it is meekness is power under control so he's encouraging us as his followers to be like him to be as wise as serpents utilize that discernment of the Holy Spirit don't allow yourself to be deceived by your own feelings your emotions or by the deception of the enemy God's given us his Holy Spirit. John talks about that in his first epistle. 1 John, we have an unction from the Holy Ghost. And that unction is not to knock people over with a sport coat, like Benny Hinn and some of these guys. That unction, that anointing, because one translation does say anointing, and those guys will tell you, don't mess with me because I have the anointing. Well, the anointing, folks, the real anointing of the Holy Spirit is for you to be able to tell when something's real and when it isn't, something's true and when it isn't, something's the Spirit of God, and when it's demonic. God has given you that ability. He's given you that unction, that anointing. And so here's Daniel operating just the way Jesus would say sometime later, hundreds of years later, being as wise as serpents, as gentle as doves. And so God gives him favor with the king. The king could have just as easily said, kill him right now. Get him out of here. Get him out of my face. But no, God gave Daniel favor with the king, Nebuchadnezzar. So, verse 17 then Daniel went to his house where he was living. Apparently, uh, almost like a dormitory type situation with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He makes the decision known to these three, his companions. And he tells him, good news guys, we have a temporary reprieve. So as hopping mad as Nebuchadnezzar was, he honored Daniel's request and gave him time to bring the meaning of the dream, the information about the dream. Remember he told the other Chaldeans, you have to tell me what the dream was and then you have to tell me the interpretation. He wouldn't settle for anything less. So he gives Daniel time. Remember Daniel 1.18, now at the end of the day's When the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was after their training, after their abstaining from the rich foods and so forth. And they shined above all the rest. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers, who were in all his realm. Now you hear me say all the time, sin will make you stupid, right? I've been rebuked before for using the word stupid, but it's actually in the Bible. Look it up. Sin will make you stupid. What I have perhaps failed to say quite as often is, sin will make you stupid, God will make you smart. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so these guys because they were totally sold out, dedicated to God, would not compromise. That's an important part of this whole thing. In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Obviously, the success of Daniel and his friends was a result of God's blessing. But for their part, Again, God does, has a part to play. We have a part to play. They obviously worked and studied very hard. As young men, totally committed, sold out to God, trying to be the best possible witness that they could be, it's without question that they worked hard, studied hard, and they had no idea how important this would be down the road. Verse 18, and so Daniel urges the other three, he urged them that they might seek Mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Notice something here. He urges them to pray. First, he goes to the king. He gets the temporary reprieve. And this statement here that he makes to the other three shows you that he did not have the information as of yet. He was stepping out in faith. And that's another part of the picture folks another piece of the puzzle God often calls us to step out in faith before we fully know or understand what's going on Do you remember Abraham we're told in the book of Genesis God went to Abraham he was there in Ur of the Chaldees the same region where Daniel's story is taking place only much earlier God goes to Abraham who came from a pagan background by the way and he tells Abraham get up and go to a place that I will show you you realize when Abraham first packed up and began to move and follow the leading of the Lord he didn't know where he was going how many of us would be willing to do that what if God just told you get in your car and start driving and I'll tell you where you're going on the way that's kinda what it was like for Abraham and so here Daniel steps out in faith He doesn't know what the dream is yet, and he doesn't have the interpretation. And so now that he has stepped out in faith and told the king, give me some time, God will give us the answer. Now he says, hey guys, we got to pray. we got to pray now. Since Daniel was the one with the gift of interpreting dreams, as we saw already earlier on in this book, their job would be to pray Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, their job would be to pray and to intercede. So everybody has a part to play in the body of Christ. A lot of people think that, you know, it's just the pastors and leaders in the church and, you know, our only role is just to show up and sing and listen to the message. Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 12, every member of the body of Christ has gifts, spiritual gifts, that are be utilized by every believer for the benefit of the entire body of Christ. And so... Daniel's counting on his buddies here to join him in prayer and intercession while Daniel waited on God for the dream and its meaning. So it takes everyone in the body working together, exercising his or her spiritual gifts for God's purposes to be accomplished. We have a lot of amazing, faithful, wonderful servants here in this church. When you have opportunity, be sure to thank them, let them know how much you appreciate them. The ushers, the greeters, the security people, The cafe workers, the children's ministry, so many people that make it a pleasant place to be on Sunday mornings and other times during the week. He urged them that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret or, as some translations read, mystery. A mystery or a secret in the Bible is something unknown. In this case, the dream and its interpretation Something unknown but later revealed containing higher or deeper information. And that's exactly what we see from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You've probably heard this said many times, but Christ is in the Old Testament, what? Concealed. Christ is in the New Testament revealed. The word mystery is used 19 times in the New Testament and refers to spiritual truths previously not known but now revealed by the Holy Spirit to the New Testament writers. Some of these mysteries, the resurrection, we shall not all sleep. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery, writes Paul, a mystery. We shall not all sleep. This is actually speaking of the rapture of the church. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We will all receive new, immortal, imperishable, glorified, eternal bodies. But where he says, we shall not all sleep, that mystery is the rapture of the church, that some will be alive when the rapture occurs and will never undergo physical death. It'd be great to be a part of that group. I hope and pray that we are, but if not, it's okay. It's all up to God, right? But that is one of the mysteries revealed in the New Testament, the rapture of the church. And yet we have many today in various branches of the church denying the rapture outright. And yet Paul says that's one of the mysteries in the New Testament. The rapture, the second coming, Colossians one twenty-seven: to them, the saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we have a couple of mysteries here. One, that the Gentiles would be included in the salvation God offers to the world through Jesus Christ. Remember how shocked the apostles were when Gentiles started getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit? They didn't even think the Samaritans could be saved because they were half-breeds. The Samaritans were half-Jew and half-Assyrian. And there was bad blood between the Jews and the Samaritans. But the mystery was... God so loved the world, John 3, 16. And then the other mystery here, Christ in you. See, the Old Testament believers didn't have that. God dealt with the Old Testament believers under the Old Covenant primarily as a group, not individually. Now, you'd have certain individuals where we'd read about in the Old Testament the Spirit of God would come upon them like a Samson, like a Saul, believe it or not, even Saul at one time. Had the Holy Spirit come upon him, he prophesied. But as a whole, they did not have that indwelling presence of the Spirit of God like we do as New Testament believers. This is another mystery revealed in the New Testament. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you ever start to feel like maybe that hope of glory is fading in your heart and mind, I encourage you, draw near to the Lord. Get close to God, get close to Jesus, and he will renew and restore that hope. The world works hard to take that hope away from you. The devil, the three enemies of our faith, the world, the flesh, hello, and the devil. They're constantly fighting us, mitigating against us to steal our joy, to steal our peace, to steal our hope. Christ in you, don't forget that. And he wants to be in you just as much as you will allow him to be. The New Testament says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to be careful with that. That our attitudes, our actions, our deeds, our words. That we're not grieving the Spirit of God. That will create distance between us. If you're praying and asking God, the Holy Spirit, to search your heart like David. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, please show me if there's anything in my life that is grieving to your Holy Spirit and help me to conquer that, to overcome that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So concerning this secret or this mystery, verse 19, then the secret or mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So it doesn't say dream, We talked about dreams and visions. A vision is something that happens while you're awake, and God also speaks to us in our sleep sometimes through dreams. But this is a night vision, so apparently Daniel was awake. He was probably spent a lot of time awake thinking, praying, fasting perhaps, waiting for that answer. Much like King David before him, before Daniel, and Mary, after Daniel, Mary had her great Soliloquy when she was visited by Gabriel and told she would be the bearer of the Christ child, the mother of the Son of God, and she breaks forth with this beautiful magnificat. We see here in these next verses Daniel does something similar. Six hundred years before Mary's Magnificat, Daniel breaks forth in praise as he experiences the revelatory power of God. And that heart that, again. We see the heart of Mary. Why did God choose Mary? Her heart is revealed through her Magnificat. Here, Daniel's heart is revealed through his praise. Let's read that. This is the heart of the reason. His heart is the reason God chose to work through Daniel in such powerful ways. And if we ever look at these great men and women of the Bible and we think, I'd sure like to be them, we need to look at their heart, attitude, how they were before God and seek to emulate that. Here we go, verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons, he removes kings and raises up kings. I'm ready for some of that right now, I don't know about you. (laughs) He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Now that's interesting, knowledge to those who have understanding. When we come to God, when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we receive that anointing, that unction, that discernment. That brings us to a new level of understanding. The Bible says that uh, we have the mind of Christ. And so as we gain understanding, God adds to that knowledge. He gives wisdom wisdom to the wise. Isn't that interesting? What's the wisest thing you could ever do? Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? It's a no-brainer. Forgiveness of sin, eternal life, live with God forever in paradise. Where's the downside in that? So that's a wise move. And once you make that initial wise move, then God begins to add to that more and more of his wisdom. And we gain understanding when we become indwelt by the Spirit of God. And then he adds to that understanding knowledge as we seek his face, as we are faithful, just like we're doing here every Sunday morning, studying the Word of God together. You're doing it at home on your own. God adds to our understanding knowledge. Verse 22, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, You've given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's demand. Notice two things here in this soliloquy of Daniel's, this praise, this magnificat, if you will. He acknowledges God as the source. He doesn't take any credit for it. And he says we, so he's also acknowledging the part that his friends have played. He's not a lone ranger. He's not taking any glory, any credit. God, you did this, and we as a group thank you and praise you for what you've done. Verse 24, Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. So Daniel exhibits absolute confidence because his confidence is in the reliability and faithfulness of God. And sometimes we call this holy boldness, right? It's not a boldness of, of his own. It's a holy boldness because it is rooted and centered and grounded in God. So Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. Now it's interesting here because remember Daniel had already gone before the, before the king and asked for some extra time to come up with the dream and the interpretation. Arioch makes it sound like he found him. I found the guy, here he is. So nobody is immune from a little bit of uh, pandering and political manipulation, right? He brings him quickly brings Daniel before the king. I've found a man, I got him. Uh, yeah, I think we've already met. <laughs> Daniel had already spoken to the king regarding the dream and its interpretation. Who will make known to the king the interpretation? Notice Arioch's confidence here. He doesn't say... He might be able to do it. Let's keep our fingers crossed. This guy, Arioch, he also has absolute confidence in Daniel. That's very interesting. Not who might do it, but will do it. So that says a lot about Daniel's integrity and his witness before this man we assume to be a pagan there in the land of Babylon. Verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Now, obviously Daniel was known to the king by his Babylonian name, so Daniel actually throws that name in here in verse 26. Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Make sure we know we got the right guy here. Remember what that name means, may Bell protect your life. Remember when they used to call the phone company Ma Bell? Huh, interesting, huh? Anyway, it's not Bel that protects Daniel's life. It's Yahweh, Jehovah God. But he includes this name in his narrative. And the king says, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Because that's the requirement. The king knew if someone could actually tell him the content of the dream, chances are he is giving a true interpretation. Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. None of the guys that Nebuchadnezzar had previously called upon, none of their cultic or occultic practices could help them. Only by the Spirit of God could Nebuchadnezzar's dream be revealed and interpreted. Good thing there's a man of God in the house, right? Daniel goes on. I wonder if the king was getting a little nervous. Same old runaround, same old routine. Oh! No man can do that. But then Daniel continues. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets or mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. So again notice instead of using this as an opportunity to elevate himself kind of like Ariok Daniel gives testimony to the greatness of the true living God. And folks, this is the mark of someone. Make note of this. This is so important. This is the mark of someone who possesses genuine spiritual gifts. They always give the glory to God in a very humble and meek way. Unlike some of these flamboyant faithers you see running around. Please make note of that. God has given every member of the body of Christ spiritual gifts and the way that we learn how to use them is by stepping out in faith and serving others because that's what the gifts are given for. But you don't have to blow your own horn. You don't have to brag about it. Even Jesus, remember so many times when Jesus would heal someone, raise someone from from the dead, cast out a demon, he would tell them, don't say anything to anybody. Just go to the temple and make your offering. Remember If Jesus wanted to keep his miracles on the down low, shouldn't we want to do the same? So watch out for that. If you see somebody making a big show, you can almost take it to the bank that they're a fake and a phony. Here's Daniel. He could have really capitalized on this, but he didn't. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. We're not going to get to that part today. But exactly as the king had requested, not only the meaning, but the specifics of what his dream contained. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this, and he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. So during Nebuchadnezzar's restless, sleepless nights, Daniel says, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed What would come to pass after this, or one translation says, things to come. And as we will see, all the world empires leading up to the millennial reign of Christ. We talked about the fact that Daniel is a good companion book to the book of Revelation. And in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, God actually reveals to him all the major empires of world history in advance. And Daniel's going to explain it all to him. How incredible that God would reveal his entire plan for the human history from the time of Nebuchadnezzar to the very end when the Messiah would come again and establish his everlasting rule upon the earth. How amazing that God would bring Daniel and his friends in chains. Listen to this now. Think about this. How amazing that God would bring Daniel and his friends in chains from Judah just so that they could be used to lead the king of Babylon into a relationship with the king of the universe. Because the end result will be Nebuchadnezzar recognizes, acknowledges that the God of Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael is the one true God. But how did that happen? Because these young men were taken captive and dragged from their home in Israel to Babylon. I was reminded of Joseph whose brothers threw him in a pit sold him into slavery, gets to Egypt, becomes a slave of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and when he doesn't take the bait, she claims, wow, this sounds like the Me Too movement. When he doesn't take the bait, (laughs) see the... (laughs) Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So she falsely accuses Joseph... Of raping her, assaulting her, sexual harassment, he gets, winds up in prison. But you know what? You can't keep a godly man down. And Joseph eventually rises up to be number two under Pharaoh. But he encounters his brothers years later. Remember, they have the famine, and Canaan. The brothers come down to Egypt because they heard Egypt's got grain, and we need grain. Wonder where we're going to have to go to get our grain. Egypt? (laughs) Iran? So they go down, and they don't recognize Joseph. I mean, he's middle-aged now. Probably got one of those Egyptian-looking goatees going on, and all that stuff. Probably kind of filled out, muscular, you know. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. Anyway, ultimately, when he makes himself known to them, they're scared to death that he's going to have them all executed because they know they deserve it. Genesis 50, 20. Joseph tells them, his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me. And yes, they did. In fact, they wanted to kill him, but they settled for just selling him to the Ishmaelites, who then took him to Egypt and sold him again. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Listen to this. If you had been in Joseph's position, taken by your brothers and thrown into a hole, sold to the Ishmaelites, taken to Egypt, sold to Potiphar, wrongly accused of rape, imprisoned for like 20 years? Would you be sitting there thinking, oh, I know God means this for good. But you know what? There's no evidence in the book of Genesis that Joseph ever got mad at God, ever blamed God. No matter what situation he was in, he was at peace with his God he says to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. Joseph saw God's hand of providence, God's plan, the long-term plan. God knew before Joseph was ever sold into slavery that the time would come when the very existence of the founding members of the nation of Israel, Jacob, and his sons and their wives and children that would grow from 70 people 400 years to 2 million God knew there was going to be that famine and that they were their lives would be at risk and all that happened to put Joseph in the place where he could provide food for his family and Joseph saw that even as a young man I experienced that I've shared my story about passing of my parents becoming an orphan at the age of 17 moving in with my aunt and uncle to California but along the way I saw God's hand in all that I knew my life was headed in the wrong direction I knew that if I was left to pursue my own desires my own goals that it wouldn't be what God wanted for my life and so he went to great lengths to direct my life in the direction he wanted it to go so I was never mad at God never bitter at God certainly I was sad Every once in a while I still feel a little sad that I never got to spend much time with my parents on this planet. But I've never doubted that God's ways are beyond our ways, beyond our understanding, and He had a plan for my life and He brought it to pass. Maybe not the way that I would like for Him to have done it, but He did it. God is faithful to take the things in our lives that appear to us to be bad, to be evil, like Daniel and his friends being taken into captivity And he's faithful to take those things. Just like Joseph told his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Keep that in mind, folks. As a believer, you're living a life in a no-lose situation. No matter what the source of the trouble is, God will take it and turn it into something good for His glory as we are yielded and submitted to Him. Let's stand. As we go to prayer, if you have a prayer request this morning, please raise your hand. Always lots of hands, and that's good. I like that. God likes that. He he loves for us to call upon Him. The Bible says we have not because we ask not, but if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, God will hear our prayers. He will answer our prayers. He loves to hear from us. Just like you love your kids and you want the best for them, he wants the best for us. Father God, I lift up each one this morning who has raised a hand. Lord, there might even be some who didn't raise a hand, but they do really need prayer. I just lift up each and every one in this room today. Lord, we pray for encouragement, for strength, for patience, for endurance. Lord, we know that a lot of this has to do with the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. So help us to live a life that will enable you to cause the fruit of your Holy Spirit to grow up inside of us and to manifest itself outwardly as we walk with you, Lord, that we could be those who exhibit the love, the joy, the peace, the faithfulness, the gentleness, self-control, Lord, all the fruits of the Spirit. But I pray, Lord, today for those who are discouraged, downhearted, depressed, have anxiety. Lord, you said you came to set the captives free. You came to heal the brokenhearted. Lord, I pray for healing, for deliverance for everyone who is struggling with mental, spiritual, and emotional issues, God. Help us to lean in, to draw near to you. Lord, your word says if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Lord, help us to win that battle. We talked about it this morning against the world, the flesh, the devil. Lord, your word says that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Lord, we are more than conquerors through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the victory in Jesus. Help us to remember that at all times, to take hold of that victory and not allow the devil to snatch it away from us. So we do pray for healing, Lord, for the the mind, the emotions, the feelings. Lord, we know they can be so deceptive. Your word tells us the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? You know the heart, and you're able to take our heart our dark, black, wicked heart, and to make it white as snow. We ask you to do that today, Lord, for those struggling in that area, for those with relationship issues, whether it be marriage, friendship, work-related, neighborhood, uh, other family members, relatives. Lord, we know that those uh, can be very difficult, tricky waters to navigate. Give us wisdom as we interact with our loved ones, our family, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray for healing of damaged or broken relationships, Father. Lord, we know that that's your desire, that's your goal, that you're a God of healing, of restoration, reconciliation. We pray that you'd help us to be the first ones to initiate, to to initiate reconciliation and forgiveness. Lord, even if we feel like we haven't done anything wrong, we can humble ourselves and make the first move and do the right thing. Help us to do that. We pray that those relationships would be repaired for your glory. Pray for financial issues, Lord, that those who are struggling who are living in perilous times, perilous economic times, give us an extra measure of wisdom on how to navigate through this time of financial instability. To be good stewards, Lord, to be careful, to be watchful. And we thank you that you are our provider. No matter who writes our paycheck, you are our provider. We praise you. We thank you for your glorious, wonderful provision for our lives. And Lord, for those who are needing to see more of that, we ask you to pour out blessings upon them, provide for them. Whether it is the need for a job or a better job or whatever it might be, Father, we ask for provision. You promised that you would take care of us. If we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, all these things would be added unto us. So We thank you. We praise you here today. We give you glory and honor. We thank you for your word. We thank you so much, God. Ask you to receive now our final offering of praise in Jesus' name, amen.